0: episode 102 ladies and gentlemen 102 and as always we like to let everybody know how you can be a part of our show and how you can find us and how is that why go to youtube youtube ladies and gentlemen go to youtube and look for captain's quarters podcast as i said this is our 102nd episode well you got some really good strong numbers to show you at the end of the show but go, hit the like button, hit the little bell, follow us, be a part of our crew, because we can't do it without you. There is no such thing as a single solitary pirate. They had to have a crew. Without a the crew, they weren't pirates. They were usually people that nobody wanted around. So join us. Be a part of our crew, the Captain's Quarters podcast. Yeah, now, we're going to welcome in a new sponsor, Marco's Pizza, we'll talk about them in just a few minutes, but Marco's Pizza is joining us now as a brand new sponsor for the show, along with some of our others, and you'll see all of our sponsors later on in the show. Eight Bells is how we always start the show, a bit of respect. So, if you would, Eight Bells is sponsored by the Riker family of reenactors. David and his family are strong reenactors here in St. Augustine, and very good members of the St. Augustine squash bucklers. They are very, very helpful and are doing quite a bit to help me with spectacular. another thing we'll be talking about shortly. For now though, eight bells. What do we have, Davy? I saw this earlier today, David Keith McCullum. Ah yes, a sad day for him to be gone. Was a Scottish actor and musician. He gained wide reputation or recognition in the 1960s for playing secret agent Ilya Kiriakin in the television series The Man from UNCLE. As a kid, I loved that show, my goodness. His other notable television roles include Simon Carter in Cold Depths and Steel in Sapphire and Steel. And beginning in 2003, McCullen gained, gained renewed international popularity for his role as NCIS medical examiner Dr. Donald Ducky Mallard in the American television series NCIS. Which he played for 20 seasons until his death. On film, McCollum is notably appeared in *The Great Escape*. Also, he was 90 years old, ladies and gentlemen. I loved his acting. I really. Do you remember him? I was in
1: love with him. Yeah, very yes. good.
0: He, yeah, it, it was him and the dark-haired guy. And now, for the life of me, can't think of his name. All of a sudden, but it'll come to me. It was a great subship. It was a great series, a great television show, much like a more televised James Bond. But on that note, Brooks Calvert Robinson, Jr., American third baseman in the Major League Baseball, who played his entire career for the Baltimore Orioles from 55 to 77, nicknamed the human vacuum cleaner Mr. Hoover and Mr. Oriole. He is generally considered to have been the greatest defensive third baseman in Major League history an 18-time all-star he won 16 consecutive gold glove awards the most by a position player and third base most of all times behind pitcher jim Catt and greg maddox he was 86 years old glenn david bujanak i'm sure i butchered that was an american professional football player who was a guard in the National Football League from 76 to 84. In his rookie year with the Bengals, he played in all 14 games, starting one. In 77, he became a starter, and from 77 through 80, four seasons, he played in 60 games, starting all but four. He signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and played with them from 83 and 84, playing a total of 14 games, starting five. He was cut by the Tampa Bay, Buccaneers before the 1985 season. He was 69 years old Timothy Stephen Wakefield an American professional baseball knuckleball pitcher who played 19 seasons in the Major League Baseball Wakefield began his career with the Pittsburgh Pirates I Pirates <laughs> and is most remembered for his 17-year tenor with the Boston Red Sox eh. In 1995 until his retirement in 2012 as the longest-serving player on the team When he retired, Wakefield was the oldest active player in the major leagues. He was 57 years old, ladies and gentlemen, not a man. Also, I, before we give me eight bells, this is not meant to be premature in any way, shape or form, but it is meant to be respectful. Jimmy Carter had his 99th birthday this past weekend. He is in hospice, but the respect of Georgia for his birthday and the people around the world. Um, And I met Jimmy Carter, and then both Kara and I met Roslyn Carter in, in Las Vegas. And wonderful, wonderful people. A lot of people say he was not much as a great president, but I believe he is the epitome of what a true statesman is. He became more and more and more renowned for everything else he did. The heck with his presidency. Everything else he's done, he's shown what it's like to be a gentleman and a statesman. It's a shame he's in hospice, and I'm sure that on a Monday night here soon, we'll give more respect for James Carter. On that note, Mr. Davy, please give me eight bells. very much. Before I go into a joke of the week, we do realize, ladies and gentlemen, once in a while we have a sound issue. Sometimes you hear extra sounds in there. We've figured out some of it. We're working on it. I thought in my intelligence that I had it all worked out for my end today. And at 6 o'clock I tested it all out and it worked fine. And then we turned on the system with Davey testing it out for me and it would not work. And there's many a time that I tell everybody I hate technology. This is one of them. The captain's lost it.
2: <coughs> so,
0: we're still working on it, ladies and gentlemen. We apologize if it becomes fresh or frustrating or aggravating, but it's technology. I'm a magician. I can only do magic, not miracles. Upon that note, let's have a little bit of humor with joke of the week with Mini Mayhem and sponsored by Shiver Me Ditchers.
1: Ahoy, mates. Mini Mayhem here with the joke of the week. Sponsored by Shiver Me Pictures. What is a pirate's favorite kind of fish? Think about it and I will give you the answer at the end of the show. Hmm.
0: Pirate's favorite kind of fish. Well, we'll have the reveal at the end of the show. I'm already trying to think what is his favorite kind of fish. Yeah, is this one that you found or one that you made up, Mr. Longwood?
2: No, no found.
0: Okay, very good. We'll see how it goes. Let's get the. Uh, there we go. People are starting to come in. Oh, uh, Zachary Harker thinks he has it. We're not going to say anything though. We'll leave it alone. How about quote of the week, ladies and gentlemen, by our good friends at Spyglass Travel. If you want a good walking tour of the historic city of St. Augustine, call Spyglass Travel. They are listed as one of the ten top walking tours in the united states and it just so happens that our guest tonight miss ann colby does some of the tours for them and we're going to be talking about that because obviously she's our guest we're talking about wicked saint augustine tonight aye but for now the quote from george washington it is far better to be alone than to be in bad company unless bad company was a music group and then they had some great songs But that's a different story, we'll leave that alone. It is far better to be alone than to be in bad company. George Washington was a very wise man. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Spyglass Travel. My good friends over there, join them. Come out and walk St. Augustine. For us, as we get older, walking is a good thing. Let's see, question of the week. Now, ladies and gentlemen, our question of the week this week is sponsored by Ancient City Sirens. Miss Gina and her girls, you want some dancing? Why, they're gonna give it to you. And any style or genre you want, my friend Miss Gina is probably one of the top 100 belly dancers in the entire world as far as I'm concerned. I'd probably put her at the top 50, but that might be extending it and she might get mad at me for it to brag about her so much. But yes, now the quote of the week is in respect to our newest sponsor. Our newest sponsor is Marco's Pizza. They have one in town and they're working on having another one in the next six months. So in honor of our new sponsor, Marco's Pizza, what is your favorite pizza topping? Now, I actually did some research, ladies and gentlemen, and we're gonna go right to that research right now. All I gotta do is find it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna tell you the top five pizza toppings and you, can then decide later on if you like this. Number one, pepperoni. Go figure. Number two, cheese. I don't know why we would say cheese because we have to have cheese on all pizzas anyway, but that's a different story. How about this one? Number three, bacon. And who doesn't like bacon? Bacon. Number four is pineapple. Now that one I would argue is because pineapple does not belong on pizza. Number 6 oh, I'm sorry, number five, sausage, mushrooms, ham, onions, chicken, mozzarella, olives, tomato sauce, duh, jalapenos, yes, green peppers, yes, barbecue sauce, no, tomatoes, duh. Garlic, of course, hamburger meat, beef, black olives, anchovies, yes. Spinach, that's for Popeye. Barbecue chicken, no. Meatballs, salami. So those are the top 25, ladies and gentlemen. Did we mention yours or do you have something else? We'll find out. And uh, we're trying to do something else that's different In the show, normally we go back and try to look at all the messages that have come to us, but we find that to be kind of boring. So if you have something you want to say, that's what I have Hellfire Henley and Mandy Joe looking at all the comments, and if something pops up that's pertinent to what we're talking about, they're going to pop it up, and we're going to talk about it right away. That means when we have our guests starting to do some things here in just a few moments, if you've got questions, make sure you ask. We're not going to go at the end of the show and look back. It's always forward on the horizon. Upon that note, I can get rid of that and go back to this. Let's see. True adventures completed. None. But we are going to Panama City. Pirates of the High Seas. That's this weekend. 17 members of the St. Augustine Swashbucklers are going over to Panama City Beach for their big event. This will be our eighth or ninth year going over there with them, and it's growing ever so large. It is a great weekend. They have parades on Friday and Saturday night, and they have encampments now. They just started doing period-correct encampments, so we'll be doing a period-correct encampment, some of the crew. We have at least two canvas tents that are going over there, and the size of those tents, our canvas footprint on that reenactment camp is about 500 square feet. That's pretty good. It's almost as big as my man cave here. So that's Pirates of the High Seas. What else did I, there was something else before Pirates of the High Seas I wanted to bring up, and now I forgot what it was. But we'll talk about Spooktacular. Spooktacular, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to help us out, buy one of our shirts. Use those codes at the bottom there. And or we need to put up our website so that everybody can go. You can go to wmayhemproductions.com spooky, and that'll take you right to the website where you can buy advanced tickets for Spooktacular, or you can buy one of those great t-shirts there, and I'll brag a little bit about it. I actually, just out of a, a whim, made that logo myself. I thought it was kind of cute. That's on the back of the orange t-shirts, pumpkin orange t-shirts, $21, and you're supporting our event. And as it says there at the bottom, and that poster is uh, one unit back, we have a more updated version of the poster. Uh, Aelius Acres will be the recipient. Um, you can throw that one away there, Mr. All David. Right. We don't need that one. We have sponsors. That's the other one. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, look at this. Crypt Keeper Sponsorship. Dick's Wings, Marco's Pizza, Reliant Dry Ice, and J Tech internet, TV, mobile. Those are $500 sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. $500. Part of our show, part of our, and Dick's Wings and Marcos, we made a secondary deal that they are now a year sponsor on the podcast on top of all that. The Ghouls and Ghost sponsorship is a $200 sponsorship. Safe Haven Veterinarian Clinic, Vesta Vox, Colonial Quarter, Rikers, Reenactors, Florida Family Dentistry out of Palm Coast, Cut Up and Sew, Hammock Hardware down in Hammock Dunes area. Marta Rose Harris Real Estate Extraordinaire here. And Dave Vermillion. Vermillion. How about just Dave of Southern Homes? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine sponsors there, ladies and gentlemen. We've done well. We're very happy to have those people sponsoring our shows. Our spooktacular. It is three nights, and we'll have a much updated poster for next week because that poster goes to print starting tonight. So we'll have the posters out for everybody and cards. Also, you know what we should mention? The 21st. Davey, is the 21st of Saturday? 21st of October?
3: It is a Saturday. Saturday.
0: That's it. Miss Gina has an event going on down in the town square. We'll make sure we advertise more on that next Monday night. Completely forgot to add that in. She's doing a Halloween event on the town square on the 21st. Yours truly is supposed to do a magic show. There'll be some uh, a mermaid or two and dancers. And the point of it is to just have fun. And we'll also be promoting Spooktacular, which is the weekend after. So come on out. I believe the time is 5 or 5.30, but how bad of me not to remember to get that information out there, so we will be posting that and making sure it is good for everybody to come out and be a part. On that note, I think that's about it. We do have a video highlight of the week we'd like to show off. I have completely forgotten about this project. It happened about six or seven months ago, but it's now going to go airtime next Saturday. Two Saturdays away, the 14th, I think it is. Mr. Davy, go ahead.
2: Me.
4: When you walk the streets of St. Augustine, it's not uncommon to come across people wearing clothing from different time periods. On one, you could bump into a Spanish conquistador, and then on the next, a British colonist. And you may also cross paths with a pirate. And pirates are fun, but why St. Augustine?
5: There's a really important historical purpose behind the existence of pirates, which explains even in more detail, the conflicts, the rivalries, and the unique history that made St. Augustine what it is today. Pirates play a function in the way that governments conducted war against each other. Pirates were basically like free agents and they make most of their living by pillaging. Now, if you have a government decree, for example, the Spanish would give pirates a decree saying that you can do all of this on behalf of the Spanish crown. The group that we really want you to target are those dastardly English. We want you to attack. We will let you keep a majority of the plunder that you get but we really want you to make life difficult for the English so that they don't try to attack and take St. Augustine again. The privateers or the pirates that would either attack or defend places like St. Augustine from British or French incursion play an important role in the way that the history plays out.
2: Every privateer was considered a pirate by somebody Every pirate was a pirate and not all of them had the letters of mark or the letters of permission to be a privateer. There's an easier way to understand the difference between a pirate and a privateer. That easy way is to just say, which end of the weapon are you standing on when we meet? If you're standing on the business end of my weapon, more than likely I'm a pirate. If you're standing on the backside of the weapon with me, I'm probably protecting you in the name of our country, our king and our queen, and I would be listed as a privateer.
4: The Pirate and Treasure Museum is home to many pirate relics.
2: We do have one of only three authentic pirate flags in the entire world. We have the only documented pirate treasure chest that belonged to Captain Thomas II.
4: You'll also find an area dedicated to the pirates of Hollywood.
2: We have the sword of Jack Sparrow used in the very first Pirates of the Caribbean. That sword was used by him to stab Barbosa in the heart. We have a cartoon still of Peter Pan and Captain Hook. And we have a first edition, 1883 copy of Treasure Island.
4: And while we all may enjoy a great pirate movie, it's important to separate Hollywood from history.
2: A lot of people don't truly understand that point. Pirates were criminals. According to the movies, we're just a bunch of good old boys having a good time. But in reality, we were criminals. Pirate attacks on St. Augustine from 1565 to 1695, the finishing of the fort over there, 130 years. As many as six, seven, eight, maybe nine pirate attacks on St. Augustine in this time frame.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that full episode will actually air on October 14th on YouTube and PBS, I believe it is, and we'll be posting more on our Facebook website, or Facebook page, and possibly on our website. So if you want to catch the whole entirety of it, why well, go and tune in and watch. No giggling, if you know what I mean. I, <laughs> And on that note, ladies and gentlemen... <coughs> as she's been sitting here so patiently enjoying the show, the author of Wicked St. Augustine, and Colby, I have my copy right here, and I know she brought a copy over also, and my copy's got an autograph in it
2: somewhere here. Oh, yes.
0: There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Ann Colby, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Captain.
0: Now you are dressed in period-style clothing of what? of the history of St. Augustine?
1: Well, it is the 20s after all. All Right. So it would be the 1920s.
0: (laughs) The 1920s, not the 1820s, but the 1920s. 1920s. And there was a lot of things that were going on in the
1: 1920s. Oh, yes. This was one of our most important time periods. We made a lot of money in St. Augustine during the 1920s.
0: (laughs) So let's start, because if you look at the book, just the cover of the book, gives you an idea of some of the people if you know who they are who actually are part of oh, yes. history you put some, participated I mean, in there's it. Pedro Menendez
1: oh yeah we start at the very beginning well I mean when you're talking about wicked St. Augustine we have to start on the day that the vice industries particularly the production of alcohol gambling and prostitution started in St. Augustine we know the day September 8th. 1565.
0: Absolutely right, and uh, you know, if you think about it, that is the start of anything having to do with history in the North American continent, really, for American history. It all started here.
1: Yes. Well, Menendez, we happen to have his ship's manifests, and we know that he brought prostitutes, gambling equipment, and of course, a master brewer to immediately start making that all important alcohol. And we haven't stopped producing any of these pleasures for gentlemen, uh, not yet.
0: Anyway. No, and, and ne- n- never and would never we, we will. stop because alcohol, gambling, and lovely ladies makes life a little bit easier. Exactly. Yes. And it's very important. And, and it, it is, uh, it is a. It is a major income for St. Augustine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And many of the people who are in power of St. Augustine um, receive some bonuses for that.
1: Grift,
0: graft, whatever word you want Captain, to use.
1: Captain, who do you think are running the Vice Industries for yes, well, all those years? Of course they are. St. Augustine. Now,
0: I I don't know if you know this, but my family heritage here in St. Augustine goes back even further than that. So when I was growing up, there were all kinds of little stories that we heard as kids about some of our relatives. They're probably all true. They may be. I saw something just pop up there on the screen and then it went away. Can we pop that up there one more time? What was it? Please tell us about the women who owned what is now Casablanca.
1: Casablanca.
0: Is that something here in St. Augustine?
1: do not know.
0: See, now that's going to cause both of us to have to go and look that one up. Um,
1: I can tell you, I certainly can tell you where the major brothels were. Well, let's find out. Okay. Where,
0: let's, so tell us can where. Shall I
1: tell you about my two favorite ones?
0: Th- I like that.
1: Okay. Well, let's, let's start first at the corner of Bridge Street and Granada Street. There is a nice space there now that is a, uh, it's currently a parking lot, but during the uh, early part of the uh, 20th century, it was the location of the most expensive brothel in St. Augustine. Wow. Yes, it was run by O.C. Martin, O-C-I-E. She was our most prominent black madam And she ran not only a brothel, but a great restaurant and a music club on the Chitlin circuit. Really? At that site. Very good. So excellent music, excellent food, and the most expensive women in town. (sighs) Many, many gentlemen that I spoke with and some elderly gentlemen, I spoke to many of them in my research for the book, and they waxed poetic about this particular brothel really it didn't matter how expensive it was and it was very expensive because it primarily catered to the flagler crowd but the locals who indulged saved up all their money so that they could have an experience at this brothel (laughs) absolutely loved it
0: so back then it wasn't i'm going to Disney World, I'm going to the brothels. I'm going
1: to the brothels (laughs) in St. Augustine. We actually had a reputation in the Southeast as being top line for the brothels. We beat the hell out of New Orleans when it came to brothels.
0: Brothels. It's a bed and breakfast on the bayfront, it has a martini bar. It was quite a history. It has quite a history during the Prohibition. It does have a history during the Prohibition, during the rum running times. Um,
1: Shall I tell you about Prohibition? Go ahead. That's what you're here for. Well, first of all, first of all, uh, our entire fishing fleet during Prohibition decided that it would be more lucrative to run liquor than to fish, and they were correct. So we had a regular business. Our fishing fleet would go out to the Caribbean, pick up bonded liquor, and I was told by very elderly St. Augustiniers that every night at the corner of King Street and the San Sebastian River, right. like where the winery, where the winery is, today, is right now, every night during Prohibition, our fishing fleet would anchor there at high tide and disperse their nightly catch which would be approximately 6,000 bottles of bonded liquor. Wow. Now that's just the tip of the iceberg.
0: So what, what was the preferred liquor at the time? Was it whiskey, bourbon, rum? What was it mostly? From, being from the Car- Caribbeans, it must, most likely had to have been rum.
1: Well, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because they were pretty much uh, receptive to anything with alcoholic content that came in. Right. Uh, Now, the bonded liquor was the expensive stuff. By far, the largest amount of liquor that came into St. Augustine was produced right here.
0: Yes. There were moonshiners here. Oh, my heavens, There were a lot of them. I I have family members that have shared those stories with me when we were younger. St.
1: Augustine, during Prohibition, produced approximately 200,000 gallons of illegal liquor illegal whiskey per month <laughs> really? prohibition. that's a lot yeah we drank a lot we sold a lot we made a lot of money because quite interestingly uh, it, you might think that if you're producing that amount that much liquor it can't be all that good quality versus quantity true however the average price for a gallon of moonshine liquor in the United States during Prohibition was a dollar a gallon, which makes sense. We got $60 a gallon wow. for liquor produced in St. Augustine. So it was, it, it was good stuff then and it's good stuff now. They're still making it at the distillery um for uh they're still making whiskey out of the same things corn and sugar cane
0: corn and sugar cane in fact mm-hmm. the distillery here brags about making sure that most of the products they use to create their their alcohol yes is
1: come from this area from the, from so this area. i imagine they are using basically the same recipes that our moonshiners it's did very
0: possible during i just days. saw a, a post up there put athena's uh, uh, comment up there real quick again Hi, right, she's read your book it's really cool, and I wish I had my own copy. Athena, ask and ye shall receive. I have an extra copy here, and the next time you're over here working with the St. Augustine Swashbucklers, because you're a member, I have a copy for you. I, and I'll bring a copy. Ransom Mayhem is my brother. I'll bring a copy out to you this weekend. So you can have a copy also
1: just so if anybody needs a copy obviously you can get copies all over in St. Augustine uh, you can also get it at Barnes & Noble you can and you can also get it from Amazon
2: yes
0: now, now I'm not giving everybody copies because that would <laughs> that would be a little bit too piratey I right. I think I saw the bo- book at Barnes & Noble on my reading list yes it is so that was the brothel
1: ah this is my favorite building in all of saint augustine no not a brothel
0: no what was it
1: it was our opium den oh yes every town needs one (laughs) and this this particular place i discovered it reading about it on the front page of the saint augustine record and i believe it was about uh, 1906 this particular building had been renovated and contained private cubicles with luxurious chaise lounges where the ladies could go. This was the one place where women could go for relaxation in St. Augustine and they could enjoy their choice of opium, heroin, cocaine or morphine.
0: Put that picture back (laughs) up again because I'm still trying to navigate where it is. on the
1: corner of Cathedral Place and Avenida de Mendez it now sells macaroons
0: that's right because the green door right there off the side on the right that is uh trade winds yes it's
1: right next to trade which trade winds by the way was the location of our off-track betting parlor for many years and it also had 300 slot machines because
0: trade winds um in the day and from my family history trade winds in the 40s and probably 50s was on the other side of the town square.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. And that, had, go ahead. But
1: that building, yes. that particular building there, was the off-track betting and slot machine uh, location for the locals of Saint Augustine. to get. So,
0: my grandfather was one of the people knowledgeable in repairing of slot machines. Ah. And had deals with some of the people that were controlling the slot machines to take care of them. And one of the stories, and I can't, I don't believe there's anybody left alive in my family that can truly, totally verify this story, but my grandfather had several slot machines in his garage for repair, and the sheriff came over, and because he had these slot machines, they were going to have some legal discussions and my father, my grandfather um, notified the owner of the slot machines, who then notified the sheriff. And the sheriff said, "We've made a mistake. We haven't seen anything here." And they went left my grandfather alone.
1: This is quite quite common.
0: It I'm is, sure it was because you know everybody's got their hand out. Everybody's got came, a piece of whether it. Whether
1: it came to gambling or women or or illegal alcohol, uh, it was pretty much. The government of the city of St. Augustine was very much involved and directly involved with, with seeing that these uh, activities succeeded and made money well, for well,
0: the city. Well, St. Augustine from the 20s, well, from, from, the, from, from Flagler's Day, um, was a major tourist destination even back then.
1: Oh, yes. Well, one of the, reason, one of the reasons I wrote this book is because uh, you know I I go to New Orleans all the time, and New Orleans does not make any bones about its wicked past. They celebrate it. You've got the books, you've got the movies, you've got the tours. Uh, there's so much information about it, but yet they had a relatively short history when it came to the vice industries. Example, Storyville, their red light district. Right. Storyville lasted from 1898 until 1917, when it was shut down by the uh, Secretary of the Navy. Well, St. Augustine's official red light district, and we had one, we had brothels all over town, but we also had an official red light district, which was out on West King Street. And our official red light district operated from 1882 until 1953. <laughs> officially, uh, officially. And you know what? It's still listed by its name in our zoning records. The St. Augustine Country Club. Really? If you told your wife you were going to the country club for the afternoon, the one thing you weren't going to do was play golf. Everything else? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> now I've looked through the book and made some notes here and there and, and going through, and I, of course I have to put on my glasses to make you sure I know what I'm talking about. You ask me any
1: weird question. I'm sure I have been asked them all.
0: And, and any questions pop up by all means, but you do talk about Flagler in here. Yes. Henry Flagler I'm, was very I'm, important to this city.
1: Henry Flagler literally remade. St. Augustine, when he came, the first time he spent the winter here, about 1881, he'd already decided he was going to be doing something with St. Augustine to bring the new money. The old money was already coming here for the winter. He was gonna bring the new money here. And uh, he also had the idea that this was gonna be the family destination of the South. And, you know, way before Walt Disney ever came up with the idea. So Flagler, specifically, even though all of these things were going on in St. Augustine, all of these adult activities, he suppressed all information about them, which is why, you know, nobody knew that any of this kind of thing ever took place in in St. Augustine. Uh, I I knew it had taken place in New Orleans, but then, when you come to St. Augustine and ask historians, ask tour guides, they would say none of this ever happened in St. Augustine. We were a good Roman Catholic town, and we never participated in any of those vices. <laughs> I did not believe that for a minute. I mean, come on, look at the history of our town, and uh, it's—I mean, it beats New Orleans all to hell. So, uh, you know, I—I I knew there had to be a history out there. Well, Henry Flagler actively suppressed that history. He owned the newspapers, he owned the travel uh, magazines and information, and he suppressed the information to make us the family destination. Nothing else was ever written about. Yet, he knew he needed all of those activities because those very rich gentlemen that were coming down here to spend the winter weren't going to spend three, four months out of the year sitting over playing Bridge with their wives at the Ponce de Leon Hotel. No. No. They wanted the same entertainments they had in New York and Boston and Pennsylvania uh, with the extra added attraction of knowing they were not going to get arrested for doing any of those things. So uh, Henry Flagler uh, funded it under the table and suppressed it in the media. Wow. Yeah.
0: So we have such a wicked history in saint augustine but the some of the people that were here they knew what was going on
1: pretty much everybody did
0: but they kept it a secret absolutely because they all got something out of it yes and and, and some of them and this is the tourist industry in general anyway sometimes in the tourist industry you're not going to get direct money from something the residuals of everything happen, so all these people are coming here. So the bars are doing well because they're serving great alcohol. The restaurants are doing well. Uh, so the the other other tourist type entertainment mm-hmm. that has nothing to that's not attached to the wicked side of it still benefits because where yes. do these people stay? I mean, that's one of the reasons Flagler wanted everybody to come here. Mm-hmm. Why he started taking over all the hotels?
1: Oh yeah. He, he, well. And and, and, oddly enough, prostitution was one of our biggest highlights. St. Augustine was known for the quality of its brothels. Really? Oh, yes, absolutely. Not only that, but our brothels were safe. They were strictly regulated pretty much by the madams themselves, but in cooperation with the the city of St. Augustine as well. Our brothels had full-time health care. They had full-time security. The girls were taken care of. And we didn't have the crime rate, for example, at our brothels that New Orleans did. Right. And so they pretty much considered our brothels to be safe. We didn't have cheap cribs. We didn't have cheap crib girls. We didn't have girls for a dollar, you know, a a turnaround here. We're talking about uh, $50 and up. (laughs) For a turnaround.
0: So, at any one time, or, or at a specific period in time, how what is the highest number of brothels that St. Augustine has had?
1: Do you know? That's hard to. That's hard for me to establish uh, because I literally would have to go through. There was kind of a code system in St. Augustine in the uh, in the zoning records, for example. If it was listed as a ladies boarding house, it was a brothel. If a woman was a ladies' boarding house manager, she was in fact a, uh, a, a madam of a brothel. Uh, and if a woman was working as a prostitute, she was listed in the census records as a fine sewer. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> a well, fine sower. Back in the good old days, uh, when, uh, when women uh, really had no legal standing in St. Augustine, which is, you know, pretty much like the rest of the United States.
4: Right.
1: Um, Women could hold, legally hold one of two jobs and be paid for it, be paid for it. One was a midwife, if you were trained, and the other one was as doing fine sewing. So, fine sewers, and by the way, many of those big houses that are on the Avenida de Mendez, I like that teeny martini bar. If you go back and research the property records, you will see that they were built by fine sewers.
0: Wow, it's an amazing history and an entertaining history. Too. It is. It is. It is. Much it's,
1: so. it's. It's. It, it's not only fascinating, but it's surprising because nobody knew, really, that these things were happening.
0: So when Pro- prohibition was happening across the entire United States.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the gangsters of Chicago and New York, did they have influence in St. Augustine?
1: Ah, interesting question. As far as I can tell, they did not. Now, the that doesn't mean the gangster, the mob, didn't run Florida, because they did. The Traficante family, who, well, still is quite active in the state of Florida. Right. Uh, However, in St. Augustine, you have to remember that our vice industries had pretty much been run by the same families for five centuries. Wow. And, And they were not about to relinquish control to some newcomers who were just coming in. I mean, come on, they could shoot just as well as anybody in the mob. And it was such a tight knit community. They they just literally these families and there's a lot of families in, in, involved, yours included, and uh, they just did not allow the outsiders in to take control of any facet of our vice industries.
0: So now, and I'm not going to call out any specific names in any way, shape, or form to base this question, but. When I stand on the courtyard of the Pirate Museum, I hear tour guides in the trains, the trolleys, and everything mm-hmm. going up and down, and, and you'll hear things that are said by some of the tour guides. And sometimes I hear things and I, I know, well, that's not really true. but. Is there any truth at all that Al Capone actually did come and visit St. Augustine on a regular basis? Have you found any evidence of that?
1: Not really, but then it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, why wouldn't he come to St. Augustine? We had the best brothels and certainly the best liquor uh, in during the year Prohibition I mean, because years. Because it, 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 it is it is it is known great hotels he, and we
0: had great <laughs> hotels. It is known that he did a lot of traveling to Miami.
1: Sure, an and awful why of, wouldn't he why stop Why wouldn't he here? stop here? I mean. Many presidents did, (laughs) many presidents. uh, Do you know how many
0: it is? It's three or four. I can't than that. Is it more than
1: that? Yes, we had many more. Of course, um, my particular favorites are Teddy Roosevelt, who used to swim naked in the Alcazar Hotel pool. (laughs) And of course, uh, the president of all presidents to come here, Warren Harding, who spent 23 seasons here. And oh, by the way, he was a good friend of our most prominent madam in town.
2: Oh, I
5: wonder why. He had
1: connections.
2: Yes, of course he did.
1: Well, they had connections because they grew up in the same small town in Ohio, Marion, Ohio.
2: Oh, let's see. So they they had
1: connections that went way back.
0: So when did you write the book, or when did you start researching everything and then start putting it into the book? I started
1: researching the day I retired. And I, that was the first day I went up to the historical uh, society and said, I'm, I'm going to write a book. I need access to your collection.
0: Now, when you told some of the people what you were going to write, was there any um, yep. negativity? <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: just say, you know, I, there was a lot of faces kind of turning white and, and people telling me it never happened here. So don't even don't even go there. And I just said, well, you know, somebody's got to do this research. And, uh, and so I did. I spent about four years researching. and then the book itself was published in uh, it was published March 1st of 2020, the day the country shut down because of COVID. Uh-huh. So for about a year, <laughs> nothing happened no stores were open nothing but then in, in uh uh 2021 it really took off
0: so back to the liquor not all the liquor was coming from the islands because they had great moonshiners here yes and so do you know what the percentage of of offshore to inshore liquor was do you, do you know what some of those numbers might have been
1: um uh, actually i'm not sure we had a number of rum runners, uh, not just our fishing fleet. I mean, there were quite a few rum runners that were coming through St. Augustine and up and down our coast and using St. Augustine as a base.
0: There is a story of, 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 a, of a light on top of one of the houses and the, the ghost of the woman that puts the, put the light out. So clarify
2: that story.
1: Well, inter- I, you know, I cannot say if there was in fact the wife of one of the rum runners, we had so many, uh, that would hang a lantern in one of those houses to let her husband know that the uh, treasury agents were watching. They were watching the inlet. Now, that may have happened. That absolutely may have happened. But it didn't really need to, because the city of St. Augustine paid for a banner to be hung on either side of the Bridge of Lions. Yes, on either side.
0: So one side it was safe; the other side it was not. No, 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 no.
1: The banner was coded, so that the rum runners who came to the inlet knew the revenuers were here, the IRA, the treasury agents were here, and it directed them to go south to the Matanzas Inlet, bring it up through the Matanzas Inlet to the San Sebastian River and come in the back way, drop it off where the winery is today. Right. Drop it off there, that's a safe drop-off spot because the agents don't ever look there.
0: So Casablanca in 1920s helped bootleggers smuggle alcohol into the city.
1: It doesn't surprise me, not I, in the least. I'm
0: sure, um, because everybody wanted alcohol.
1: And, and pretty much everybody participated in it. I mean, there are so many stories. I mean, local people, and, and if you want to know who's working the Vice Industries in St. Augustine, all you have to do is look at the names on the street signs.
0: Okay, so here's a clarification on the story. So supposedly the owner of the Casablanca would put the signal out to the Rum Runners with the light on the roof and repair it. The...
1: Sure, why not? I mean,
0: it's... It, it...
1: But the city also took care of it with city funds because we had a, an interest in seeing that our alcohol uh, made it through. We had a financial interest of course uh, in it. Of course we did. And I mean, that's not the only way the city cooperated with the vice industries. I mean, our sheriff was deeply involved with, uh, you know, the treasury agents would get here. They would want to raid. I mean, they, they weren't stupid. They knew all of this alcohol was being produced in St. Augustine. So they assumed they were going to do raids on stills. And uh, our sheriff kept kind of a Rolodex of all of the people operating stills, and he, you know, pick a few out of the Rolodex, notify them that they were to be raided. Interestingly, uh, when I was reading through the thousands of court cases that dealt with this, The most I could find being seized at any one time by the treasury agents was two quarts of
0: liquor. (laughs) So they probably claimed it was self-use only. Now
1: these are 200 gallon stills. Right. Now the the stills are there. They're 200 gallons, and and they get but there's only two quarts of liquor sitting around. Of course they hid the liquor, you know. But they had advance warning from the sheriff. The sheriff would then, uh, of course, take uh, the treasury agents out on the day appointed. The, uh, uh, According to um, one of my neighbors who is retired, St. John's County Sheriff, he said the only ones who were ever arrested were the ones who were too drunk to run. <laughs> they had so much notice. <laughs> And uh, the, the, they would get out there and the revenue, the, the Treasury agents would watch them as the deputies very carefully broke apart the stills at the soldered joints. Our stills were made such that they were, in, you know, you'd have a 200-gallon still but it would be in 20 gallons, uh, 20-gallon tanks so that they could easily be put together and easily broken apart with an axe and then carried back, put in the truck, carried back to the city gates. Everybody would take pictures to show we were enforcing the law. The uh, IRS agents would go, or the treasury agents would go back to Washington, very happy with their photographs. The sheriff would then call the moonshiner to please come up and come and pick up the pieces of this still. They would pick up the pieces and have it back on site and soldered together and operational in 24 hours. Of course. We so, didn't mess about the St. Augustine. So one of
0: our listeners, Donna Boggs, she posted in there. Go ahead and pop, pop that back up again. Donna is a native of St. Augustine and she's lived here in her, her entire life. She's also a member of the St. Augustine Swashbucklers. <laughs> she's she I've never known about this part of our history. Wow, I must read your book. Yes, you probably should. It is you'll find it very interesting. It's
1: an it is an essential part of our history and it explains a lot about. Why Saint Augustine was able to exist and flourish for so many years against so many so much adver, uh, adversity?
0: Elmer E. Boyce, sheriff, 1919 oh to yes, 1942.
1: He was one of the top sheriffs that co- that uh, cooperated during Prohibition. He was cooperated. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: wink, yeah. wink. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Yes.
1: Now, now, you might ask yourself how did we cooperate with prostitution? Well, we did. The City Hall did. We had a very, very interesting case in, again, reading court cases, um, uh, interesting court case in 1942. It is on the front page, takes up the whole section of the, the, uh, the St. Augustine record for six weeks. This is a case in which our mayor at the time, uh, uh, they called him the big boss, Walter Fraser, family still owns the uh, Fountain of Youth. Right. OK, Walt Fraser uh, uh, fired the police chief and the deputy police chief on the grounds that they were taking kickbacks from the brothels to the tune of six girl, $6 per girl per week and an extra $100 on Christmas per brothel. Wow. All right. Hey, kickbacks. Would you believe it? City officials. Well, uh, the um, the police chief and the deputy sued to get their jobs back, and we had a court case over it. Okay, I won't get into all the details, which were very interesting. All the madams testified, of course, Uh, but the end result of the court case was that the court. gave the deputy and the police chief back their jobs with back pay and back benefits. Did they take money from the brothels? Yes, they did, but was it a kickback? No, it wasn't, listen carefully, it's legal language. It was was an administrative transfer of funds. Essentially, they decided, the court decided, that the brothels were operating in such close connection with City Hall that they were acting as a city department. (laughs) 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 Wow! Only in St. Augustine.
0: You know, that's one of those times where as a comedian, I come up with this thought in my head that, yep, city government will screw you no matter what.
1: (laughs) (laughs) in such a genteel and welcome way.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Oh yes. I mean, when you, when you consider that the, uh, that the uh, brothels were being, um, uh, the security was being provided by the police department. Of course it was. And the, uh, the doctors on staff to ensure that both the girls and the clients were healthy was being provided by by our city health and sanitation department. So everybody's working hand in hand to make sure that this business stays flourishing, for Saint and safe. And safe. And safe. And safe. You know it was it was so safe. You know, the secretary of Na- of the Navy shut down Storyville in New Orleans, because it just wasn't safe for the boys. They were coming back with diseases, illegitimate children, and stabbed or robbed or right. dead. Um, but in that was not the case in St. Augustine. In St. Augustine, it was deemed by I the higher-ups at Camp Blanding, I suppose, uh, that it was perfectly safe for the boys, because we did have all of those... Uh, the, those uh, that um, uh, conditions in place to make it safe. And so during, when were our largest business times, World War I and World War II, when we would have, again, lines of cars going all the way down King Street back to the Ponce de Leon Hotel with boys waiting to get into the uh, St. Augustine Country Club to be entertained.
0: So let's see, Miss Anne, I told the ladies at my job the stories you told me at the market and showed them the book, and they are still asking me questions in shock. <laughs> so I'm going to, two things I want to tell everybody about. Uh, one, we talked about spyglass travel, and if you're really interested in, a, in, in meeting Miss Anne and learning more about the book and taking a tour all about gambling, liquor, and prostitution, she is one of the tour guides yes. for Spyglass Travel. Yes, So
1: I exclusively do that tour.
0: So go there and uh, go to the website, Spyglass Travel and find out all about it and take her tour because then you get first hand knowledge and you get to talk to her about it and ask all the questions you ask, but um, it, and I,
1: I do, go ahead. I do use the tour. I mean, the, the you can actually read the book And when you take the tour, you will get a whole new level of information because in the tour, I can tell stories that are a little too salacious for publication. It is an adult tour, by the way, Uh, they're a little too salacious. And also I'm able to talk about, well, people who I can, I, I can talk about people who are still alive. Uh-oh. And if you think our vice industries don't exist today, you're, you are mistaken.
0: All right, so you've given them, Christina Kaplan has, has passed out many of your flyers. I would assume that's this one right here that I have in my hand. Go so ahead. call Spyglass Travel or get online and get Spyglass Travel their information and take one of these tours. Uh, Nightingale in Florida would love to take the tour. We might have to uh, set up something. Um, during Old City Pirate Fest, just to have you be a part of it, because you're going to be a part of it anyway. And that's the second thing I want to tell everybody. Old City Pirate Festival, which is the first weekend in February in 2024, we have an area called Artist, or Author's Row. And we have people from the area, and we've got many from outside the area, who have written books, historical books or history books or fictional books even, Not that this one is, this it's very historic. But they're there, and they will be there the entire day for you to meet. Buy their books from them. There's a little plug there for you also. Thank you. Um, Buy their books and get them autographed and ask questions of the authors. Ann will be there. Um, We had six or seven authors last year. I believe we're up to 14 authors for this year coming up. It was a a very popular section of of the Old City Pirate Festival. So, who was the chief of police fired by Mr. Fraser? Uh, and he yes. answered it Chester Bennett. Yeah. Or Chester Bennett.
1: Yeah, I, it is in the book. I have pictures and and everything of both uh, the uh, police chief and the deputy.
0: Yeah, there's some great pictures in here, too. of uh, yes. A racehorse track.
1: Oh, yes. We had our, well, now soon to become a shopping center near you, but it's, uh, yeah, we did have our own million dollar racetrack because race, uh, horse racing was very popular. It was
0: very popular. And of
1: course the trade Winds restaurant, uh, I mean, I mean the trade Winds music club is the former location of our off track betting parlor. Right.
0: Now somebody just asked a quick question about, uh, vendor space for the uh, old city pirate fest. Absolutely. We have vendor space. You can go on our website. Davey, could you put wmayhemproductions.com up there on the ticker tape real quick if you get a chance? And so people can follow there. And as we keep continuing to build this website, we'll be. there is a section on the website about the podcast. And one of the things we're hoping to do is put down some information on all the different guests that have come here and been on the show so that you can click on those guests and maybe go find their website and find out what they're doing, what they have done. What's your favorite story in the book?
1: Oh my, uh, well, uh, I did find the, what, the story about the, 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 the uh, firing of the police chief and the fact that we are you know, essentially uh, a city department, the brothels were essentially a city department. Uh, I found that very entertaining. Um, probably my favorite part is the discussion of my favorite madam. Uh, in St. Augustine's history and that was Blanche Travis Altavilla. Now we have thousands of, of statues and names and and, and and plaques and everything celebrating Henry Flagler. But we have, have not a single thing celebrating Blanche Altavilla and she single-handedly literally ran prostitution in St. Augustine from about 1882 until 1953 when she died at the really? age of 93. So how, yes. how
0: old was she when she started all this then?
1: 20 years old.
0: Wow. That's and was a madam at 20.
1: That's when she got here. Well, for the first two years she was here, I documented her getting off the train in 1880. In two, then she went to live on Whitney Street in uh, in West King in West King, um, West Augustine, and in 1882 she started buying property. So whatever she did for two years, she was get making a lot of money doing it. Uh, two years she started buying property. She then built the largest brothel in Saint Augustine. In West on West King Street and it is still there. And the that it sits in the middle of like a big square with three streets surrounding it, Blanche Street, Travis Place, and Travis Lane. And every single building on either side of those streets was a satellite brothel, uh, a tavern, a pool hall, a, uh, a tavern, a gambling palace, that was the center, the, 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 the center of the red light district for St. Augustine. And
0: she had control of that for she all She controlled years.
1: it. She was the one who instituted the uh, full-time healthcare and uh, on-site doctors. She was the one that arranged the city's security for uh, the brothels so that they were safe. Something else she did that just absolutely floored me She built an apartment complex on West King Street. It is is no longer there, but it was a beautiful little apartment complex uh, at the corner of Mackey Lane. And, uh, And that complex, beautiful set of apartments. And I thought, why is she building apartments? And I knew it was not being used as brothel. Well, turns out that's where her retired girls lived. After they retired, she had a place for them to live. And there were still retired prostitutes living there up until the late eight, 1980s.
0: Wow. The fine things you learn here. Mm-hmm. Spyglasstravel.org is now flashing across <laughs> the screen. Do make sure you go and, and look at their website and take a fine tour all about Wicked St. Augustine because, well, hey, sometimes the best stories are the, the most wicked. secretive ones.
1: Oh, one thing to point out, it says it's an hour and a half tour. Don't believe it. I don't think I've done a tour in less than three hours, and some have gone five hours, simply because there's so much information to impart about Wicked St. Augustine.
0: It's it, it just that it, there's a lot of good information in this book, and I didn't sit down, I'll be totally honest, I didn't sit down and read it cover to cover, like I have time to do anything like that lately <laughs> with everything going on. But I went through and looked at the pictures and got some ideas of things that I wanted to ask about. And it was, um, it, 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 there's just so much in here about stuff that some of you, and I know some here are native St. Augustinians, it may be stuff you don't know about.
1: Did you know that the book is now being used as a text? at for flagler college is it really history department and anthropology department
0: very good Mm -hmm. well that's see that's something to be very very proud that's
1: that's the scholarly work take the uh take the tour and i'll tell you all the really nasty stories
0: all right so (laughs) thinking about what else i want to ask you do you think you can be be able to write another one or is this it
1: well that's kind of interesting i stopped the, the the book in in like uh, the mid1960s uh, which was when they developed the historic district and the last of our major out you know upfront brothels uh, went under the bulldozer uh, which is not to say they're not brothels now there are but uh, it's that's when it kind of ended right. from a very public standpoint uh, but it still continues. I mean there's still, you know, liquor that's not licensed in St. Augustine, we still have gambling and, oh yes, we still have ladies for hire in St. Augustine. However, these families and these people cooperated a great deal with me. I mean, they gave me stories that were amazing. They they pointed out, you know, directions of research that were amazing, but out of courtesy to them because they are still alive I will refrain from writing anything further until they're deceased. Kind of a attorney-client relationship.
0: <laughs> it's a matter of respect. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. it, it is more a matter of respect. You yeah. don't, you know. Yeah,
1: you know, I can talk about their, their grandparents and what their grandparents did, but I'm not gonna talk about what the children, the living children are doing.
0: So even as far back as when Pedro Menendez came here, you found evidence that he brought all of this with him. Yes. And it's been running for 450, 460 years. Absolutely.
1: We have not stopped at all. Haven't stopped. Mm -mm.
0: So when you talk about the history of St. Augustine, I always tell people, (laughs) there's a game called Seven Ways to Kevin Bacon. You ever heard of the game? Oh, sure. I tell people that you can pick any major historic situation in the entire United States of America, and within seven steps, you'll bring it to St. Augustine. I truly believe that.
1: That wouldn't surprise me.
0: I truly believe that. I've done it a few times. I'm, I'm sure I could be stumped by it. But we, we know and we talk about some of the history of St. Augustine with fourth graders and fifth graders who come from all over the, the state. This is history. They're not going to get. No, it. no, that's that's but
1: probably not. This is yeah.
0: this. This is nonetheless. This is still the other side of the coin.
1: Absolutely. And, and yeah.
0: it is it is interesting information. It's interesting stories, and uh, I truly I truly like this kind of history myself. I sure. like the, I like the, the the stuff that requires you to sit around a table with a bottle and maybe a cigar, and you talk about things because. in in my mindset of history, everything that we know, for the most part, everything you you did for research for this book, is based primarily on the written word. And the words and the stories passed on down by families.
1: There's a lot of interconnected things.
0: and All of it, all of it, when it comes to history, not all the pieces of the puzzle were there, were they?
1: Oh, no, you, you, have, to, uh, you, you have, have to hunt.
0: You have to hunt, you have to deep, do
1: it. Deep dive.
0: And you have to come up with ways to connect them all together so that you can do something mm-hmm. like this book. So that kind of study of history is, is fun and exciting because it, it's like an onion with many layers.
1: Oh, yes. So. And, and you do have to, I mean, you have to spend hours slogging through census records and property records and court cases, court files. So the Uh, book has
0: officially been out in the public for three years, almost four years now. Mm -hmm. So if you come to St. Augustine Old City Pirate Festival, you'll get a chance to meet Miss Ann Colby and talk about her book. She'll have boxes of them, I'm sure. And um, another friend of yours is coming in to do another show. Yes,
1: she's an expert on... um on women pirates, actually. In
0: fact, the next episode that we do with her is about women pirates mm-hmm. in, in history. And we're going to do an episode on women pirates. And uh, I, I think it's in two weeks. Yes. I, I think it'll pop up it'll on the screen in here in just a little bit. So she'll be in town. She lives in New Hampshire.
1: She just moved to New Jersey.
0: Really? Oh, yes. All right. just, so she just now lives in New Jersey.
1: New Jersey. A little
0: bit closer.
1: A little bit closer. Actually, she moved there because it was a little closer to her children. Right. And Her
0: name yeah. is Carol Busby, by the yeah. way. Hi. Right. Thank you for the excellent tour of the Pirate Museum last Friday. Oh, you're very welcome. My students were very lucky. You made history come alive, which is what real teaching is all about. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that compliment. Um, it, it truly, it, 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 and that was a group of, of um, young students that were not fourth and fifth graders. They were sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Mm-hmm. And they were mannerly, and they were curious, and they asked questions. And, and as, a, as a tour guide talking historian, which I'm sure is the same with you, it, it's just gratifying to have people ask questions. Because then they sh- that shows yes. their interest.
1: Oh, yes. And, and, and many of my uh, guests do. Um, of course my questions are probably a little different from the questions you get
0: (laughs) probably because now I do a few adult tours and we talk about some of the more adult side of of pirating but for the most part the educational tours for the school students here I have to stay within certain boundaries But I've had some good conversations with all all adult girls too. They'll My my tour
1: really has no boundaries. We we, we pretty much cover it all. Well,
0: ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) you're gonna have to contact Spyglass Travel through their website. Find out about the times that Miss Ann here does her tours and take one of her tours because I can guarantee you the book, the tours, and I know Kevin over at Spyglass Travel, he likes top-notch quality entertainment for all the tours that come here. And this is one of those examples, right here. Thank you. So, um, any as we move on to some of the other things we do here. Those of you that may be wondering tonight is an apple juice night <clears throat> because I have so much going on this week and preparing to go to Panama City Beach that I'll take care of catching up in Panama City at the Pirate Festival. But here we're drinking apple juice tonight. I Now. We forgot I know what it was we forgot, Davy. Before we go any further, we forgot to talk about you and the Limelight Theater. So pop up that poster real quick. Mr. Davy and Miss Donna are both appearing at the Limelight Theater in the Music Man, September 29th to October 22nd. I believe Myself and and my other half, my better half, and some of the the members of the crew are all going on October 13th, which is a Friday. Friday the 13th. Nothing can go wrong there. So we'll go and have a good time and watch the show. Music Man was one of my favorite productions when I was a kid, because I played trombone in the school band, so that just happened to be there. And Davey, you're doing a fine job, I know. Are you having fun? Unmute yourself.
3: I am. Um, this is the first time I've been in the quartet as the bass, so it's a new experience for me. Nice.
0: Right. And you're dancing, too. Yeah.
5: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was an exciting yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want a good time, ladies and gentlemen, look up the Limelight Theater and go see our good friends, Mr. Davey and Miss Donna performing in The Music Man, along with all the other performers there. I'm sure there's some of the performers at the limelight that I know. I just don't know all the names of everybody there, but the limelight theater is putting on a fine production of the music man. And I, I apologize, Davey. I said before the show, that was what we were going to talk about. And when we hit it, I forgot it would right. exactly when we were going to do it. So upon that note though, we've done the video highlight. We've talked to our guests, but we want to do a little break here and let you all, be a part of this week in nautical history sponsored by our good friends at the Florida Water Tours. You want a good tour of the Matanzas Bay? Go see our friends at Florida Water Tours. We did. The Pirates of the St. Augustine Swashbucklers went on Tuesday, September 19th. Talk like a Pirate Day and had a party on their big gigantic 35-36 passenger pontoon boat and had a glorious time on the water. And the moon and everything was out there it was a great time got some great pictures we've been sharing them across but ladies and gentlemen let's do this week in nautical history
3: welcome to this week in nautical history sponsored by our friends at florida water tours experience the intercoastal waterway at its finest featuring picture-perfect attractions we begin this week in nautical history in the year 1492 Christopher Columbus misses Florida when he changes course. 1542. Explorer Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo on a voyage for Spain is the first European to discover Catalina Island off the coast of California. 1571. Battle of Lepento, Holy League of Southern European Nations formed by Pope Pius V destroy an Ottoman fleet in a significant loss off Western Greece. 1769 Captain James Cook lands in New Zealand at Poverty Bay on the east coast of the North Island. Then in 1778 Captain James Cook anchors at Alaska. 1918 U.S. ship Otranto sinks between Scotland and Ireland. 425 die 1942 RMS Queen Mary carrying thousands of US troops slices cruiser HMS Caraco in half killing 239 people 1944 Royal Dutch Navy submarine Swordfish sinks German submarine U168 in the Java Sea 1955 World's most powerful aircraft carrier, the USS Saratoga, is launched. 1958, U.S. nuclear sub USS Seawolf remains a record 60 days under the North Pole. And finally, in 1986, Russian nuclear sub K-291 sinks in the Atlantic Ocean. And that was this week in Nautical History.
0: There you caught me talking. <laughs> talking about my aunt Annalee, who who passed on about seven years ago, and and she was one of the uh, matriarchs of the family that would tell us some of these wonderful stories of you our family, and and, and <laughs> our family's is near duels, and and she she didn't mince any words when she oh. talked about certain parts of our family. Um, so it was it was always wonderful to sit and talk with her, and we did many times towards the end of her life. So we normally do mail call here in between, but I don't have any mail. I did. I, I will say this, I did get a, a wonderful thank you letter from a group that I had done a tour on um, a week ago. And the thank you letter had a very nice thank you inside of it. I'm not going to talk about exactly what it was, but it was a very nice thank you. And it's always nice when people send you something um, as a show of appreciation for a job well done that is um really something that makes me feel good when people do that they take the time to do something like that so those people thank you very very much but right now it is this week in history davy take it away
3: welcome to this week in history sponsored by our good friends at dick's wings bar and grill wings salads wraps quesadillas and more No matter what your taste buds crave, they have got you covered. We begin this week in history in the year 1552, Conquest of Kazan by Ivan the Terrible. 1863, U.S. President Abraham Lincoln designates last Thursday November as Thanksgiving Day. 1866, first train robbery in U.S., Reno Brothers take $13,000. 1871, U.S. Mormon leader Brigham Young arrested for bigamy. Also in 1871, the Great Chicago Fire kills an estimated 300 people and destroys over four square miles of buildings and the original Emancipation Proclamation. 1872, Bloomingdale's Department Store in New York opens. 1883, The Orient Express departs on its first official journey from Paris to Istanbul. 1893. Nabisco Foods events cream of wheat. 1895. The Yellow Kid, first cartoon comic strip, is printed in a newspaper. 1919. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson has a stroke, leaving him partially paralyzed. 1927. The Jazz Singer, Directed by Alan Crossland, starred Al Josen and Mae McAvoy, released first film with a soundtrack. Got the Honorary Academy Award in 1928. 1929, Ramsay MacDonald is the first British Prime Minister to address US Congress. Then in 1950, first strip of Charlie Brown, titled Little Folks, later Peanuts by Charles M. Schultz, published in seven nationwide newspapers. 1955, Alfred Hitchcock Presents premieres on CBS television in the U.S. Also in 1955, Captain Kangaroo premieres on CBS TV Good Morning, Captain. 1959, Rod Serling's anthology series The Twilight Zone premieres on CBS TV. And finally, in 1961... JFK advises Americans to build fallout shelters. And that was this week in history. From the author's collection, she took them herself.
0: (laughs) I was still talking about this book, believe it or not. We could go on for hours, but um, I'm leaving all that up to your imagination to go to Spyglass Travel and take one of her tours, or come to Old City Pirate Festival and meet Anne in person or maybe Captain Mayhem will work out some kind of a thing where we could have a, a social evening one night with a bottle of rum or two and sit and talk about it. I,
1: I think I, I ran across the captain's uh, ancestors involved in some of these
0: uh, if I uh, have, dealings. Yeah, we have we have a relative that was a, <laughs> was a, a chief of police of Saint Augustine back in the '60s. So, um, on that note. <laughs> my father passed away last November my mother passed away several years ago um, my brother lives in Panama City uh, Beach now and there's not many left of our family here uh, the McCrays, the all Britons the Lindsays the Barneses those are the four generalized families that, that we're all related to uh, those names are some of them are in your book some of them are in the rest of the rest of the the history of St.
1: Well, it doesn't surprise me in the list, and I'm glad to know that you're you're carrying on in the <laughs> wicked traditions. Aye,
0: as a pirate, just to keep the tradition going, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So um, as I said before, we're not going to do a last minute check of anything. Is it, uh, Mandy, uh, Hellfire, any other thing pop up that you thought might be worth seeing? Otherwise, we'll continue on. Um, I don't see anything right away. But we do thank everybody for being a part of our show. We're gonna have to make some kind of a little symbol that everybody makes. If you got something, we really need to see. But upon that, how about our guests coming up? I, there we have. So tonight is Miss Ann Colby. Next week, hopefully, Morgan Lanning will be coming and talking about Ghost Touring. There's Carol Busby on the 16th. Uh, October 23rd, it will be a spooktacular promotion night. Halloween special on October 30th. Our uh, spooktacular will have been done by three nights 27, 28, and 29. I'll take a, sh- a break and do the show, and then the 31st is that Tuesday. Uh, tasting tours of St. Augustine. We're hoping they'll be here on November 6th to talk about all the things they do, especially during Night of Light. Dick Swing's live podcast and holiday party is on November 13th, and as you can see, there's a few more. I just got notifications. Sheriff Hardwick would like to come in December, and I have two dates, so he has a choice of which one, and he'll this will be his second show with us, ladies and gentlemen. He has enjoyed it. As you can see, we're now booking any and all Mondays for 2024. There are 52 of them. We have some great names on the list. We just have not secured exact dates. If you want to be on the show, notify us. If you are the captain of a pirate crew, or you're the leader of a reenactment crew, or you have something that you want to share with the world, contact us. I'm a great magician at times, but I'm not a very good mind reader, so I can't just put it out there. You all have to contact us and let us know. We try to contact people to bring them onto the show, but sometimes we may miss a beat. We want to do shows that you want to hear, you want to see, and you want to enjoy. So. Throw us some, a bone or two or three. Let us know what we can do to bring on more interest to your show. As I always say, when we have a great guest, the show always goes over an hour, and we're just getting ready to hit the hour and a half mark. Wonderful, but we do have a couple more things to do. One, the reveal of the joke of the week. What is a pirate's favorite fish? Go ahead, Mr. Davey.
1: Okay, it's time for the answer to the joke of the week. What? is a pirate's favorite kind of fish? The answer is a goldfish.
0: (laughs) Fish, that's for sure. A goldfish. All right, very good. I like that one. That's a good one. And as always, shiver me pictures with our good friend Scarlett Deerheart, who was in the show on September 18th. We always like to thank people for being a part of our show in whatever capacity they are a part of our show. So ladies and gentlemen, we used to do it by just spouting off, but we decided to make a nice video about it. So if you would, Mr. Davy, let's say thank you to everybody.
3: The Captain's Quarters podcast is indeed a ship sailing the seas of the world, always in search of history, knowledge, and adventure. It takes a crew to run a ship, so we take this opportunity to thank those who helped keep this ship afloat. Our sponsors, St. Augustine Pirate and Treasure Museum, Dick's Wings Bar and Grill, Ancient City Sirens, Spyglass Travel, Marco's Pizza, Florida Water Tours, Riker Reenactors, Paper and Strings, and Shiver Me Pictures. Supporting cast and crew, Captain William Mayhem, Navigator Davey Longwood, Gunner Hellfire Henley, Cartographer Mandy Joe, Juan Cam, and of course, The Powder Monkey. Helping Others Gives a Crew Purpose, Inc. Investing in Kids, St. John's County Fire Cadets, Says St. Augustine Youth Services, and the Humane Society. The Four Major Charities Report, but always room for more. You too can be part of the crew and support the show in many ways. Go to Patreon. Support us with a small monthly contribution as a Powder Monkey or First Mate memberships. Go to YouTube. Hit the like and follow buttons to join our ranks and support the show. Or a single contribution which helps with other expenses of the show. Thank you. It does take a crew.
2: It does
0: take a crew, ladies and gentlemen. And all the sponsors and the support we have has made this show even stronger than it is. Many may not understand, but the program we use, StreamYard, costs us money every, every month and we're getting ready to upgrade and that is going to cost us even more, but it's well worth it. We can't use all the music you hear. We can't use all the backgrounds and the pictures you see unless we pay for it because somebody else is an artist that's created that. And as an artist myself, and I'm sure Miss Ann would agree with me, as artists, We should be compensated in some way, shape, or form. I don't like to do magic shows all the time for free. I will do many for free, but you have to compensate artists. They need to be taken care of because a lot of work goes into it. Um, And it's the same with the music we use or the artwork we use. And I have no problem with it, and it makes it even nicer when we have such a loyal following of people that help us, support us, by joining our Patreon or being a sponsor, and Dick's Wings is a second year sponsor, and Marco's Pizza, not only are they a sponsor, but we're going to get involved with their new location when it opens up and have a pirate pizza party. I already know it's gonna happen, we just don't know when. Think about it, pirates and pizza. <laughs> two P words, they go together. Has to happen. And off that note, show our platforms, Davey. You can watch us every Monday night on YouTube live. It downloads as soon as the show ends to our YouTube channel, so you can watch it at your leisure at any time you like. We also download to Spotify, Instagram, for visual. That's those three: YouTube, Spotify, or Instagram. For listening only, Stitcher, iHeart, Castbox, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music. And I believe when we upgrade our Streamyard programming we'll actually be adding at least one, maybe two others, which would then give us a total of 10 platforms that people can catch us on. That's very exciting for us. On that note, though, it's always nice to see our numbers. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen, we have 1,427 subscribers watching our show at some point in time. We're getting 1.3 K, which is about 1,300 views on a weekly basis and uh the watch time hours are 421 hours some of our top videos ancient city con which was a lot of fun and miss mandy tells me that some we got a whole lot of con comments on some of our ancient city was that what you meant when we were talking earlier
1: um we got some on ancient city we got some on henley's videos we just had a whole bunch of new comments start coming up across all
4: the older videos
0: very good very good and, uh, and to watch eight bells always gets a lot of comments and a lot of people watching, and of course, Captain's Quarters podcast overall. As we said earlier in the show, ladies and gentlemen, we want to do what you want to hear. If we wanted to do what I wanted to hear, uh, we wouldn't have much of an audience, but I want you all to be involved. So send us some information, send us some suggestions, and be a part of the show. It's always nice to have people not only support you, but like what you do, and brag about it. Our podcast email right there. Podcast 21 at gmail.com. And as always, we close the show by giving a gift to our guest. That gift happens to be one of our tokens. It has our logo on the back side and our sign-off code, which you'll hear in just a few minutes, on the other side. It is a poker chip. It is black, and if you know anything about Vegas, black is always 100 But it's not worth $100. It is just A token a token of our appreciation for you being here on the show we thank you very much apparently our guest enjoyed this show one day it may be a mayhem's only fan page well I don't know about that I don't think we want that I think we want other people here too but ladies and gentlemen we always like to thank everybody and we're coming up with some new ways to have some fun in 2024 so be watching this is the start of the month January 2024, we want to really rock the numbers. We're at 1427 as of today. I would love to be at over 1500 by the end of the year. Will you help me? I'm asking. Come on out, ladies and gentlemen. Tell us, tell your friends, and be a part of the show. But upon that note, it's time to say good evening. So, Mr. Davey, kick her off.
3: Part of the podcast. Part of the crew. Always. Always. Can't do
0: it without you, ladies and gentlemen. Crew makes the difference. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Bye.